We're talking about next step. We're talking about what is it that we in our lives can do to make, have a life that God intended, that's much fuller, richer, that has more of his spirit, that has more uh, of his voice. When we were talking this morning about meeting with God, that we have a, a life that is um, uh, totally connected to the spirit of God. And so what we're going to talk to this morning, uh, it's Father's Day, and uh, I'm notorious for uh, missing the day, like, on Mother's Day, I preached on the sermon, on, on the, the section of scripture that says, unless you hate your mother and father, okay? And then uh, I missed Memorial Day. I forgot to thank all of our veterans, which, who I love. I just forgot. So on Father's Day, I remembered, but then I thought if I do a Father's Day message, what does that look like, right? I miss all those other ones. So we're going to talk, fathers and mothers and everybody, we're going to talk this morning about sin. Yay! Sin, yippee, okay? And what we're going to be talking about is stumbling blocks. Now, I want you to, like, figure out with me. Think of this. Imagine in my neighborhood, every day I go for a walk. I walk the same pattern every day. And every day, uh, in my neighborhood, there's uneven concrete. You know, you ever have that on the sidewalk? The trees bust the concrete up. Every day, I trip over the five same pieces of uneven concrete every single day. Now, that starts to annoy me, right? I mean, what do my tax dollars go to? Is to fix the concrete, okay? So I start to complain, and I start to whine, and I start to say, this is not fair. Why is this happening to me? They should fix this. Somebody should fix this. So I start to write letters to the mayor, who um, doesn't do much uh, to, for that particular uh, sidewalk. I start to petition. I start to complain to all my friends about how, the way the world is ending up and why can't we fix our sidewalks? Back in my day, all the sidewalks were fixed. I don't know what's happening. I keep going and going and going and going and going. I keep stumbling and stumbling and stumbling and stumbling. Whose fault is it? Why? That's it. I'm not paying attention. What I want to talk about this morning is that we open our eyes a little wider and we begin to pay attention again to our sin. We stop blaming other people. We stop looking at who should do something in Congress. We stop looking at what, the way it used to be and the way it is today. And we start looking at ourselves and we start to say, what can I do to remove these stumbling blocks? This is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 7. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Now, Jesus is already right now saying, look, this is it. This is what we have in front of us. It says, such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. This is some pretty harsh words from Jesus. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Now what's happening here? we got some pretty... Bizarre language here. I mean, Jesus is talking about cutting off your hand, gouging out your eye, these little ones that have angels in heaven that see the face of God. What's going on here? 
And what I want to do is I want to talk about three things this morning that kind of might open our eyes a little bit more to our own life, to our sin, as uncomfortable as that may be, right? To, to, to where we stumble, to where we're always running into problems. And maybe if we look a little bit closer, we might be able to remove some of these things. The first thing I want us to see is that we need to become familiar We need to become familiar again with our sin. It says, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, if your eye causes you to sin, Jesus is saying, once you've identified what it is, that's the first part we're looking at. Identify what it is that's causing you to stumble. So you identify what it is that's causing you to stumble. For the sidewalk thing, okay, it's not the sidewalk that's causing me to stumble. It's that it's it's that I'm distracted. Okay, that's why I keep tripping over the same sidewalk. I'm distracted. Something happens. I'm not paying attention. That's that's the familiarity. That's going okay. So another, I'll give you an example in my own life. Where I I tend to get in trouble is when I'm bored. When I'm bored. So it's not cable. That's my problem. The internet, whatever. It's it's that when I'm bored, I'm just, my brain just starts to wander. That's my stumbling block. Not the remote control, not cable. Boredom is my stumbling block. And so you look and you say, well, you know, um, a lot of times people will enter into promiscuous relationships one after the other. Well, is sex their stumbling block? No. Most likely it's insecurity. It's low self-esteem. That's the stumbling block. The promiscuity is just a manifestation of that. Do you see what I'm saying? So you might have a boss and you go, he's my stumbling block. Is it? Or is it a sense of entitlement? Or is it pride? Or or what's going on? What is your stumbling block? You say, well, no, it's... it's," And and we typically pick the sin instead of the root cause of that sin. Remember, Jesus said he was talking about money. And he says, money is a root, a root of all sorts of evil. Money actually is the stumbling block, not buying the jet skis, getting into debt. It's this love of money. That's the stumbling block. And so as we look at our own lives, we have to examine them. As a matter of fact, if you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. It says, examine yourself. To see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. The, the word examine here, it's the idea of um, te- like you'd use in metals. Is this really gold? You put nitric acid on it or whatever acid it is. It's called the acid test. And you check and if it doesn't, if it doesn't destroy that metal, that's true metal. This is the Greek word Paul's using here. When, when, thing, when corrosive things come into your life, do you just melt? You, just, you can't stand up against it? Or does it, do you, are you able to go, no, you know what, I'm going to, this is a real, my faith is real. That's the idea. As you begin to look, as you begin to become familiar with your sin, look, look at what you can do. You'll do these tests and go, man, I keep failing this test. What's going on in my spiritual life? We're going to talk about the importance of that in a little bit. As a matter of fact, Paul even says, do you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless... You fail the test. Test your life. Check it out. See what's going on. I love the way that Jesus says, if your hand or your foot 
or your eye. He doesn't talk about anybody else but you and me. That's who we're responsible for. Look at what it says in Galatians. Each one should test his own actions. Again, there's that word again. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. See, what causes you to stumble might not be what causes someone else to stumble. Okay, now there are some universal things that we just go, you know, they shouldn't be around. But a lot of things we look in our own life and we go, ah, this is this is bad. Well, for someone else, it's fine. Paul talks all about that in Corinthians. Okay, so we test our own actions. We see what's deficient in our own. Look what it says in Hebrews. This is important because it's going to bring us to our next point. Consider him. That means to weigh. Weigh him. Look at where how he is. This is Jesus. To where you are. It's another test. How close am I to Jesus? Is there a stumbling block? Something, a hand, a foot, an eye, something I'm doing, an, uh, 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 an attitude I have that's causing me to not measure up to Jesus. It says consider him, weigh him, weigh by comparing him who endured such opposition from sinful men that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. Man, he did all that. I can do it. See, the idea, guys, isn't that, that, that the sin topic is to just heap guilt upon us. It's to say there is freedom. You can have freedom in this. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, fantastic. Notes. It's a Christmas miracle. All right. So be familiar with your, your humanity. I appreciate that. Now I don't know what to do. I don't have an excuse for a bad sermon now. Doggone, right? Okay, so be, uh, be familiar with your sin. What is it about you? That one thing, that one person that keeps bothering you again and again and again and again, causing you to anger. What is it about you that makes you angry? Not him. We know about him. He's an idiot, okay? Guess what? The world's full of, full of them, Okay? So we know about him. We know about the people who cut you off, who cut me off. We know about all them. We know their insecurities. What is it about you that makes you angry? Because for Jesus, he was able to do it. When we compare ourselves, what was the difference? Okay. So this idea of becoming familiar with who we are, familiar with our sin. So the second thing, once we become familiar with ourselves, once we understand, man, I'm insecure. Man, I'm competing with my brother. That's why I'm going into debt, because he bought a jet ski, and I feel like I need to buy a jet ski. This is why I, you know, I, I, I've never had uh, uh, an intimate relationship, so I'm involved in all this promiscuity. Once you've identified that, then number two is you become fanatical. Fanatical about uh, getting rid of it. Fanatical about purity. Okay? So you're, you, you, you're familiar with your humanity. Okay? Familiar with your humanity. I forgot to add that part. You're fanatical about your purity. Cut it off. Gouge it out. Get rid of it. If you're walking on the sidewalk and you keep stumbling over the same thing over and over and over and over again, go around it. No matter how far around it takes you. No matter how inefficient that walk is. No matter how bizarre you look crossing the street and then crossing back again. Someone looking out their window going, what in the world is that person doing? Do whatever you can to remain pure. Now, we're going to get to why this is. Again, this is not a you got to do it. You get to do it. 
God has given us the power to walk more and more and more holiness week after week. We're going to talk about some of the benefits of that. But this is how fanatical the writer of Hebrews was. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. (laughs) Wow! Really? Shedding my blood to not sin? Wouldn't it be easier just to sin and ask for forgiveness? I don't know. I mean, Jesus died on the cross once for all. I got it, you know. Paul says, should we continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never, ever be. Do whatever it takes. Become fanatical. He said, I don't want to be a fanatic. I don't want to be crazy. I don't want to be one of those guys with a bullhorn. I don't want to be that guy. But when it comes to our sin, I'd submit to you that it is okay to be a little fanatical. If there's something that keeps getting you time and time again, do a radical thing to get rid of it. If it's the internet, cut the internet out of your house. I need my email. I need my gun. I check the weather. I got, do something fanatical. If you got a problem dating and you can't keep your clothes on, take a marker on your calendar. Go a year from now and put an X and go, that's when I'm going to start dating again. What? Are you crazy? Do something fanatical. Gouge it out. Cut it off. If you have a problem with your secretary, right? Quit. Or have her fired. No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. You guys were looking at me like, man, this is getting really serious. Okay, so I had to throw that in there. Quit, okay? Move divisions. Try and do something. Whatever you can to cut that thing off, to gouge it out, to get rid of it. So if we put this together, now check this out because we're going somewhere with this. One, we're familiar. Hebrew says to consider him who has endured such hostilities against, uh, by sinners against himself. Right? Consider God, weigh it. The very next verse is, you have not, uh, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. So in other words, think of what Christ did. How do I weigh up with him? How, how did he do it? What did he do? And then do whatever it takes to be like him. Whatever it takes to be like Jesus. You say, well, people make fun of me. Did people mock Jesus? Absolutely, they did. Right? Did he have like a bunch of friends? Well, he had the disciples. That was good. But it wasn't like everywhere he showed up, everyone was all stoked. Sometimes they were. Right. Look at Jesus. He is our model. He's how we weigh ourselves and we go, man. And then we we begin to strip away those things that that get in our way. See, Jesus talked about this in Matthew, chapter 10, verse 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's radical. You say, oh, I just I just want the life that you know, I just I just want to be happy. You might have to lose some of that happiness for holiness. But the, re- the rewards are, go way beyond just being happy. It's way, way, way better. But we have to be fanatical. You know what Paul says? Here's a here's just a radical fanatical verse. 1 Corinthians 9.27. And when we, we have to kind of look at the Greek language in order to get an idea of what this is. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave 
so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. That word beat, this is the only time it's used in all of Scripture, right? So to get its true meaning, you have to go to other Greek writings. And what it means is to hit below the eye, to to cold cock somebody is essentially what it means to just bam, right, right in the kisser, right? I guess this would be your kisser, right? Okay, right in the, ah, yeah, the looker, thank you. Yeah, right in the eye. So you're sitting there and your flesh stands up and says, hey, I'm going to get on the internet. Bam, no, you're not, sit down. You're my slave, right? What? You you just hit yourself in the eye as hard as you could? You just cold cocked yourself, knocked yourself out? Yes. You beat your body into submission. You go, man, this is, this is like a cult. It's crazy stuff, right? Got whip, whipping ourselves. Oh, I'm not worthy. This is not what God intended. He didn't intend us. It's not shame. It's moving to become the person God designed you to be. Did you know God designed you to not have any sin in your life? But we sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. Adam tried to blame Eve. It didn't work. We, we've kind of keep that going on, on generation after generation, haven't we? Right? The woman you gave me is what Adam said. Classic stuff. Anyone who's raised kids, how many times have we heard that? Okay. So, so uh, the sister you gave me, that's, that's what I love to hear. So we have this idea that, you know, oh man, you know, crazy. But this is what it means. I beat my body. I stand over it and I say, get up. See what happens again. We stand there over it. We make it our slave. This is how fanatical it is. I want to show you someone who led a fanatical, had to do this kind of the real world. His name is um, Aaron Ralston. I don't know if you can see his arm there. It's, it's missing uh, down at the bottom right hand corner. He's a hiker and he had to cut off his own arm. Uh, now, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the story, but does anyone know why he had to cut off his own arm? Right. He was, he was tra- he, a boulder fell on it, right? That's, he was trapped, right? But that's not why he had to cut off his arm. What? To survive? He did. He had to cut off his arm to survive. But that's not why he had to cut off his arm. Because he was by himself. The brain is, we're getting closer, but that's not why he had to cut off his arm. Don't. All right, we'll move forward. Okay. He was an expert hiker. Okay. He hiked in Colorado. He he hiked 59 of their 14,000 foot peaks. 45 of them he did by himself in the wintertime. The guy knew what he was doing. This is what he didn't do. For the first time, he broke his own rule and he didn't tell anyone where he was. So it was okay that he was by himself. He was an expert climber. He had two days worth of food. He had water, whatever. He got pinned. That's okay. But nobody knew where he was. And maybe your next fanatical, radical move is to go to somebody and say, I've got a problem. I've got a stumbling block, a sin I can't get rid of. I'm stuck. I'm trapped. I need help. That is feeling the pain. It hurts to tell somebody I'm I'm failing. 
We don't like to do that, especially Happy Father's Day. Men, okay, men don't like to say they're failing at something. I don't. But we have to feel the pain to cut it off, to gouge it out, to look and say, I've got a problem is painful, but we have to do it or we will be trapped and we will die spiritually. And we all know we're all familiar. We, have, we, we get back into context. We get familiar with our sin. We say, I know what the problem is. And then we have to do something fanatical, something radical. And we say, well, I, there's no way I'm telling someone. I'll tell you what. The thing that changed in my life was getting an accountability partner. And let me tell you, it sucks some days. It really does. To call the guy and go, okay, here's what I did. Hurts. I'm a jerk. This is what I did. I'm stupid. I'm, you know, the shame or whatever. But that pain... The pain warns me when it's coming up. Don't do that. Because you're going to feel pain. You're going to have to gouge it out, cut it off. You're going to have to do something radical. You have to deny yourself. You're going to do something, do anything to avoid that pain. But unfortunately, the world is telling you, don't feel any pain. And what we do is we say, it's not a stumbling block. Everybody falls. You want to sleep with five, six, seven people? It's not, hey, you're attractive. If you got it, use it, right? What do you, don't feel the pain. If you're involved in this lifestyle, hey, whatever you do on your own is fine. Because, see, what we want to do is get rid of the pain. The world says, get rid. don't worry about it. It's your life. You can do what you want. And God's saying, it's so important Sin is so important that you remove it from your life. You do anything you can to get rid of it. Oftentimes in my own life, I've categorized sin and some of them are more important than others. And so those I really go after. But these little ones, you know, what are you going to do? And God say, no, go after those. Knock them out. Go up to them. Hey, what are you doing here? Bam, right in the jaw, right underneath the eye. Nobody knew where this guy was. And let me tell you, this is so common in the church. We have friends, we have small groups, but you, you won't open up. Well, what if someone tells somebody else about my sin? So what? Okay, so you're embarrassed. So they, they sinned too and they gossiped. I mean, could you imagine Aaron Ralston sitting there, stuck here and like, man, it is going to be so embarrassing showing up without an arm. I mean, no way am I ever going to do that. Had to cut off my own arm. I'm so embarrassed that I got here, that I'm stuck here, that I didn't tell somebody. This is, oh. What happens? He dies. He was on day six. He's already having crazy visions of kids running through fields. and He's, he's all jacked up. He knew now is the time. I better do something or I'm going to die. And some of you, are at a place right now where you're close to spiritual death because nobody knows where you are. And yeah, it's embarrassing to show up without an eye and go, yeah, I, you can't contact me on email because I had to get rid of my internet. Why? Uh, it was causing me to stumble. Ooh, bad. Who cares? Because here's the thing. The last thing is to be focused, focused on eternity. See, Oftentimes we get so stuck in this world that we lose the joy of the kingdom impact we can have and the, the, and the impact the kingdom can have on our own lives. 
So we lose the focus of what the Spirit of God can do in us. Listen, please. Sin gets in the way of your relationship with God, whether you're a Christian or not. If you've never known anything about Jesus, okay, the point is sin separates us from God. So what Jesus did is he led a sinless life and he died as a sacrifice for our sin. And so we go to him and we say, Lord, thank you for doing that. I accept what you did on the cross for my sins. I'm a sinner without you. I would be separated from God. And we say, I invite you into my life to rule and to reign in my life. And now we have relationship. Okay, but it doesn't end there. Then we have this crazy life of sanctification, of trying to get to to a place where we sin less and less. Why? So that we can point our finger at other people and tell them that they're sinners. No, that's not correct. Why? Because then we feel more and more of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 talks about this, okay? This is a great section of scripture. It looks real long, but it's just that the words are real big, so don't lose me here, okay? So I say, live by the Spirit, okay? And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So Paul is talking about these two things. Live by the Spirit so that it'll have a major impact on this life, okay? For the sinful nature desires what is in absolute opposite to the spirit, in contrary to the spirit, and the spirit wants what is uh, contrary to the sinful nature. I'm kind of paraphrasing as I go along. They are in conflict with each other. Do you hear that? They are in conflict with each other. They are in conflict with each other. So when you sin, you are in conflict with what the spirit wants to do in your life. Whether you get away with it, whether it's small, whether it's big, you are in conflict with the Spirit of God. It's not a good place to be in conflict with the Spirit because you shut off all the access that the Spirit of God has in your life. Are we still redeemed? Yes. Will we make it to heaven? Most likely. Okay? That's not the point. The point is we shut off the flow. So when something happens and we need to call upon God, we've, we're gone. We're not with him. We're in sin. Will he hear us? Absolutely. And he'll call us to him and say, come back, prodigal son. I'm ready. Watch. So what happens after this section of scripture in contrast with the spirit and the, and the flesh against each other? He goes through two lists. One is the list of our natural desires. And we all know they don't work. It's like envy, drunkenness, gossip, uh, debauchery. You know, all this stuff, we just, we've seen it over and over and over and over again. We know it doesn't work. We see everybody try it and it never works. Their life is never better because of it. It's this whole long list of stuff that doesn't work. You can read about it um, starting in verse 18. So he goes through this whole long list and he goes, guys, if you want to do the sinful nature, here's what, it, here's what you're going to get. And you look at it and you go, oh, okay, that doesn't look very good. And then he says this, oh boy, but, but if you live by the Spirit, if you're going to deny those things and you live by the f- fruit of the Spirit, he goes through it, the list of life, okay? It's the list, of, it's everything you want in life, okay? Now again, we do, oh, a car, a car is just the thing. That's not the root. Remember, we we're talking about becoming familiar with yourself. You, you, you don't want a car 
You want status. You want new, you know, you want comfort. You want something else, not a new car. You see what I'm saying? So he gives a list of life. And in that list, he lists love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He calls it the fruit of the spirit. Now, now, stick with me here. This is all in the context of sin. Okay, we just read it here. I say you won't carry out the desires of sinful nature. Okay, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. Here's the list you get. But if you do, if you if you're able to make it, the less sin you have, the more of the fruit of the spirit. So a lot of times we want more joy, and we go, "Oh Lord." Give me the joy of my salvation. Okay, stop sinning. Oh, I just want more peace in my life. Stop sinning. I want more love. Stop sinning. Become fanatical about it. Be focused on eternity. Because see, what, what Paul understands and what Jesus understood, sin is a trap. Its actual word is scandal. I don't have my notes. I, I'm forget that. They don't do me anything. Okay, scandalizo. I think it is scandal. It's a trap. It's a it's a, a bait stick. Okay, that's what sin is. It's a trap into slavery. See, sin is just one little thing that brings forth death. And Jesus understood it. Paul understood it. God understands it. Don't do it. Don't touch it. Don't get near that. It's going to entrap you. It's going to ensnare you. You'll become a slave. If you want to have fun uh, this week, read Romans chapter 6. It talks about this. And in Romans chapter 6, it says this. In verse 6, 7, 17, 18, and 20, it says, you will become a slave. To sin. You'll become, if you start on the whole porn track, you'll become a slave to it. The promiscuity track, slave. Gossip, slave. All this, whatever sin it is, it doesn't matter. We've seen it. We can see all the addictions, all that kind of stuff. You become a slave. It's not just that you dabble in it and leave. It, see, it doesn't satisfy. God knows this. He knows it doesn't satisfy. In uh, verses 9, 12, 14, 21, it says that uh, it's a master over us. And then in verse 7 and 18, it says we can be free from it. It's just it dangles out there. Here's what it says in Romans 22. Now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God. That's taking your flesh and popping it in the eye. You derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification, that is holiness here on earth, and the outcome, eternal life, life with God in heaven. For the wages of sin, the payment, what you'll get in exchange for sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's like this. See that dude? That's, a, that's an anglerfish. And it's way, 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 way down in the water. What's that? Oh, just hang in there. You'll see even more. Okay. So <laughs> what happens is this fish way down in the darkness, you cannot see a thing, has this little goober thing on the end of his head that lights up. So there's complete darkness surrounded by darkness. And he lights up this little tasty morsel treat. 
And all the fish go, ooh, what's that? And they go up, and they get right real up close to it, and they go, oh, that looks very tasty. That makes me happy. And look what's waiting on the other side. I think that gives us an idea uh, how that fish works. But it also gives us an idea of how sin works. We're surrounded in darkness, right? Because we have no one sharing the light with us. We get secluded. We get by ourselves. We get away. We don't want anyone to know. We don't want anything. We don't want all of this stuff. And all of a sudden, it entices. But behind the light is death. And this is why Jesus is so serious when he says, cut it off, gouge it out. He doesn't rate 20 sins and go the top seven, cut them off. The other ones, hey, what can you do? We're all human, right? He doesn't say that. If there's something that's causing you to stumble, cut it off, gouge it out. Why? And then he goes on and he talks about these little children whose angels in heaven see the face of God. Jesus is taking it. These things have eternal value. And it's hard for us because we live on this world. We live in, in, uh, on this earth and we say, well, you know, I mean, really, if I'm going to heaven, what does it really matter? Jesus knows something. He knows something we don't. He knows the value of a sinless life. He knows what it really, really means. And just because we might not understand it all doesn't mean we can't take it as seriously. Will it be painful? Yes. Might it cost you an account if you're in business? Absolutely. It might cost you a bonus. It might cost you your job. It might cost you a really neat relationship that was working fine. But you know it's not going to work out. And that's not your marriage again. I always have to say that. Like, yeah, I know. I was going to get rid of that. It's going to cost you something. And Jesus says, even if it's an arm and a leg. Now, now I'm going to end with this as the worship band comes forward. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. Spur one another on. In other words, see, once you invite someone in your life that can say, hey, dude, you're blowing it here. That same person can say, but what if you did this? What if you did that? You've struggled in this area a lot. What if you replaced it with this? We spur one another on to love and to good deeds. See, there's a replacement for sin, and it's not just not sin. It's effective ministry. So like I said, for me, one of my stumbling blocks is being bored. So I try to fill my life with things that keep me occupied. So there's no time to wander. There's no time to get involved in anything else. Ministry, whatever. Let us not give up meeting together. Again, when you're in sin, you typically isolate. Okay. As some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Now watch the eternal perspective. The writer of Hebrews puts it in. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What is that day? That's the day when we will no longer have to worry about punching our flesh in the eye. We'll get a new body. A new perfected body. The body we were intended to have before we sinned. 
And, 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 and the writer of Hebrews is saying this. Look, as we get closer to this day, let's get better and better and better. More and more sinless, cutting it off, gouging it out, getting to a place where we're, we're walking in victory. Why? Because it opens up the floodgates. When we sing, I'm here to meet with you, come and meet with me. God is saying, I would love to. Get rid of these three things and you will see a life with me that you've never seen possible before. 